0: Hi there, Uh, this is Jimmy George, the host of Supernatural Cast, and I just wanted to say this before the episode gets started. The audio on this particular episode wasn't quite to the standards that I normally would like to have, and I actually recorded this like 10 days ago, I think it was. I recorded this originally on the 10th of September, it is now, well, it's 11 days ago, it's now the 21st of September, and I just know that if I don't go ahead and get this worked on and put out, I might not ever, and uh, I definitely want to move forward with this episode and then get the third episode out, and uh, I'm sorry it's been so long. had lots of busy stuff going on, with crazy stuff at work, like half of our staff was out of work last week for a couple days, I was sick this week, I went to the doctor the first time since like 1993, I think, (laughs) yeah, but anyway, I'm feeling better, I'm still tired, and hopefully We'll get this podcast posted this evening on the 21st of September, just in time for Season 7 of Supernatural. And I'm a few episodes away from catching up on Season 6, so hopefully I can finish that up. i in time for Friday night, and we'll see what happens from there. Guys, I am, again, I want to apologize for the, the length of time it's taken me to get this one posted. And, again, I am sorry for the quality for this particular episode. And we'll see you soon for Episode 3. And uh, hope you enjoy. Peace. Welcome to the Supernatural Cast, a podcast dedicated to rewatching Supernatural from the CW. Welcome back to the Supernatural Cast, a podcast dedicated to rewatching Supernatural from the CW. My name's Jimmy Georgia. I'm your host, per usual. And this week we're going to jump into episode two of Supernatural. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and do that here in just a moment. We'll go ahead and give you guys an update of where I'm at in the series. I told you guys last time I started the show on August 20th. That was three weeks ago today. Today is September 10th. And I am, I think, 16 episodes into Season 5. So I'm just on schedule to to catch up with Season 5 before Season 6 comes out on DVD and Blu-ray. And then be caught up for Season 7 for the premiere. And uh, just a couple of weeks away on September the 23rd for Season 7 of Supernatural. So I'm definitely looking forward to the DVD release as well as Season 7. And, yeah, let's talk about some Wendigo It's time for the Dean Quote of the Week. Alright, well, this first segment, the Dean Quote of the Week, comes from kind of the middle part of the episode. Sam and Dean are discussing what's going on and uh, have a little discussion about their dad's journal. Um, which leads Dean to have a little dialogue here that we'll share that has become kind of a uh, key part of the show, I guess you would say, especially in some of the recaps over the last few years. And uh, we're going to get into that audio right now. This is why. This book. This is Dad's single most valuable possession. Everything he knows about every evil thing is in here. And he's passed it on to us. I think he wants us to pick up where he left off. You know, saving people, hunting things, the family business. All right, well, that was the Dean Quote of the Week. And we're going to hit that segment music right about now. It's time for the Supernatural Travelog. Okay, so this week's Supernatural Travelog, we have a few different places. Technically, Palo Alto was mentioned again. Uh, which is where Stanford University is. But it was only in Dreamland, and we've already discussed Palo Alto last week. Dean mentions that they were just outside Grand Junction, Colorado at one point. Uh, and that is on the Colorado River. It is located in the Grand Valley. It's actually not too far away from the Utah border on I-70, I think it is. And one thing about this, I spent the summer there a few years ago, and it doesn't look like it did in the in the TV show at all. It's actually pretty much a desert area, except for where there's water. and when the, Where the river goes and where there's irrigation, it's actually kind of green and pretty and things, but typically it's basically a desert, so no, that was kind of funny. It's actually near the Colorado National Monument, and they also have a place um, nearby called Fruity Colorado where they have Country Jam, which is a big festival every year, but definitely <laughs> the uh, grafern trees or whatever those were, definitely not colorado there at grand junction and then we go to the lost creek colorado slash the blackwater ridge and technically that's a fake location but there is a place within the pike national forest called lost creek wilderness that's over near denver so there again there's something that's kind of based in reality but made up at the same time just kind of like jericho california was in that first episode and um, that's pretty much going to be our supernatural travel log This Week in Folklore and Mythology. Okay, well next up on our list um, we have our Folklore Mythology segment and a couple of these things Dean mentioned really briefly. We'll talk about those and we'll get into the big one for the week, the Wendigo. Um, the first one Dean mentioned was Skinwalkers and this in some of the Native American legends was a person who had the ability to turn themselves into an animal and then there's you know, similar mythologies around the world like, kind of like shapeshifters but kind of in the in the line of there's different variations of this, even though Ningo is kind of a variation of that and some of the early folklore about it. But definitely, I don't think a Skinwalker in this case is exactly what he mentions because there are shapeshifters future episodes. So I'm thinking this is kind of a slight variation um, referring to a Native American legend, not necessarily a shapeshifter that we meet later on. And then there's another mention he, he mentions. Uh, Dean throws out a couple of theories. Well, it could be this, could be this. Another one is the Black Dogs, and that's kind of a European folklore. And I'm kind of thinking this is what the Hounds of the Baskerville were supposed to be, because this kind of comes from an English and Scottish background. These these things are actually kind of known as hellhounds in a way, too. Not necessarily the hellhounds that are in the show later on, again, but uh, supposed to be really big dogs, really, really big, like maybe the size of a big calf or maybe even as large as a horse with thick, shaggy hair and glowing red eyes. And so they're supposed to be some mythological creature, and that was something that um, Dean brought up. And there's various, just with any other mythology or folklore, there's various versions of that out there. All right. And one other thing, it's not exactly part of the folklore, I guess, but Dean does use some of the Azazi symbols to help protect their little circle of people. And that was actually, the Azazi people are from that nearby in the Colorado, um, New Mexico area from where they were. Azazi is a Navajo word for ancient ones, and uh, these people had the little Pueblo houses out there in the rocks. If you're familiar with the area, and apparently the modern Pueblo people claim that these ancient people are their ancestors, but, you know, whatever. But these, they were an ancient culture out there in the in the southwest. Uh, many, many years ago. All right, well, that's going to lead us up to our final folklore mythology thing for this week, and that is the Wendigo. I say several things about this this creature in the episode. Uh, after they hear it mimicking a human voice, Sam figures out what it is because it's very fast and mimics humans' voice. Um, Dean says it is a near perfect hunter, that unless they get out of there, they would get hunt down and eaten alive. And they usually like to keep their prey alive so they can have fresh meat uh, before they hibernate for long periods. They, in this case, 23 years at a time. Also, we learned in the episode that the Azazi symbols do protect them from it, which is interesting. Don't know exactly how that works. But then more so than that, we also learned that guns and knives and those type of traditional weapons do not work against this thing. Only fire, uh, and that is what they use to kill the beast. Um, and then the other part of it is basically it started out as a person who became accountable, and I guess after a while we kept eating human flesh um and gained powers and eventually turned into a monster basically uh and there's a couple different various legends and things about this that go back to different groups, one of which is the Algonquin native cultures had some different theories about this creature on uh, how that it was a cannibalistic spirit who could transform into humans and maybe even possess humans, which is interesting, which is slightly different <laughs> from what we see here, definitely. Um, and then there's definitely another version of that, that it would say that if you ate human flesh, you would turn into uh, to one of these things and crave it. It's kind of strange, but apparently Sam mentions in the episode that eating human flesh is supposed to give people powers and things that all, all sorts of different cultures around the world believe. Hannibal the Cannibal has never turned into a monster other than the fact he was just a killer and a weirdo. But yeah, I guess that's all for that part. All right, we're going to move on into our next segment of the podcast Supernatural and Pop Culture. All right, so for this week's Pop Culture segment, we had a few things to talk about. One of which is Dean brings provisions on the rescue mission. What does he bring? He brings a bag of peanut (laughs) M&M's. And this is, of course, the candy from the Mars Company. It's been around since 1941. Uh, As you're probably aware, these candy-coated chocolates have all sorts of different fillings. Probably the most popular is peanut. Uh, In recent years, there's been stuff like Prexels put in there. I know I enjoy the the cherry-filled ones around, I think it's Valentine's Day those come out. But there's all sorts of variations of M&M's. And then I know, me personally, I, I used to have some M&M collectibles and toys, and I mean, there's all sorts of, I had Christmas ornaments with M&M's on it, there's all sorts of m M&M and stuff out there, and there's even little games and things too, so M&M's has definitely expanded their, their brand outside of just candy into many, many arenas. I also, um, Dean asked Roy the guide, like, what he hunts, and he says deer and bear. And Dean replies, uh, asking him if Bambi or Yogi ever hunted him back. And so Bambi, of course, is a classic Disney movie released back in 1942, uh, where we have an orphan deer out in the woods, and he has some new friends, Thumper and Flower included, that help him kind of grow up and mature. And uh, that actually was released on Blu-ray not too long ago. And then Yogi Bear, who is smarter than the average bear, hey, boo-boo, that actually made its debut back in 1958. And he actually got his own show back in 61. He's had several different movies, including his first first one back in 1964. And, of course, the live-action one um, back last year, 2010, with Dan Aykroyd and Justin Timberlake. And so Yogi's definitely been around for quite the while. And then last but not least, this is kind of one of those deals where it's kind of a pop culture thing, but really more historical. Um, ben does mention the Donner Party when they're talking about the cannibals. And that is probably the most famous, or, well, one of the two most famous uh, incidents of, of cannibalism in our history that I can think of right off the top of my head. The other one would be the Andes mountains where the soccer team crashed in the snow and ate each other too. I mean, that's another one. I made a movie about that called Alive several years ago. But anyway, Donner the Party, they were trying to get out to California on a wagon train. They got stuck in this Sierra in Nevada mountains and they ran out of food and ended up coming cannibals to survive. And as far as I know they ate the people who died to other things. They didn't necessarily kill people to eat them, I don't think. But who knows what really happened. Anyway, that's going to wrap up uh, a different type of uh, supernatural and pop culture segment. And we're going to jump into the next segment of the show, uh, usually a fun one. And that is Driver Picks the Music. Driver Picks the Music. All right. This week in Driver Pips, the music we have three tunes to talk about. The first one is Foreigner's "Hot Blooded," which we hear after Sam wakes up from his little dream at the beginning of the episode. Foreigner, the British American rock band, famous I guess late '70s, early '80s. This was on their album Double Vision, that came out back in '78, and was actually reached as number three on the Billboard Hot 100 back in the day. And there's a bunch of other Foreigner songs that, are, that were out there. I remember growing up, my brother was older than me. He was he was born in the late 60s, and so he was a fan of all this this music as I was a little child, so I definitely am familiar with most of all of the music that they play in the show, it seems like, uh, mostly because of that. Yeah, Foreigner was, was kind of cool back in the day. And they're still around. I know I heard Jay and Jack were talking about going to see Foreigner not too long ago and Journey and somebody else, too. But anyway, we're going to go on down to the next one. And that was a Leonard Skinner song, Down South Jukin, which I'm assuming, honestly, I'm assuming this is a song from The Bar. There was a song playing in The Bar, and I couldn't tell what it was, but I had the Supernatural Official Companion Season 1, and it is listed as one of the songs there, so I'm thinking that's what song it was. This was an album that was supposed to have been released back in the 70s. like I think it was like 72 or something. It was supposed to be Leonard Skinner's first CD, well, (laughs) record at that time. But it actually got... Put on the shelf, and it was later released, which was released in '78. So that was kind of one of those random things out there for Leonard Skinner fans, and they put it back out in '98 with some extra tracks and stuff. So if you're into Leonard Skinner, you're, I'm assuming, probably familiar with that album and that whole spiel there. We'll move on to the last one there near the end of the episode, just before Sam takes off in the car. We hear some "Rush," which is another um, fan favorite here, I guess, on the on Supernatural. And they, we hear the song "Fly by Night," and this was actually released back in the 70s as well, 1975. And this was um, part of their album that was entitled by the same name, "Fly by Night." And apparently, it's about one of the members of the band's experience when he moved from Canada to London before he became a part of the band Rush. So, have fun checking those out if you aren't already. Um, have those in your iTunes library. I'm sure you can find them there and/or in the Amazon MP3 store, probably all those are available there as well. Alright, we're going to jump into the Supernatural Recap, where we recap Supernatural. And so we hope you stick around for that, but hey, if you've seen the episode a dozen times you don't want to hear the recap, feel free to skip ahead to the next section. We have the chapter features here in the show, and so um segment of the podcast after that will be the Supernatural 5, the top five Moments of the episode chosen by me, and uh, yeah, we would love to have you uh, check out the recap. But if not, we understand too. Supernatural recap. All right. Well, this week we're gonna get into the recap for Wendigo. We open up with the previously on Supernatural, which opens up almost every episode, not all of them, but uh, plenty of them. We open up in Blackwater Ridge, Lost Creek, Colorado. Several friends are out camping on their sixth day of their trip. One of the guys is playing a video game. And with another the other guys, he sent us the messages back to his sister and his brother. They hear some strange noises out in the, on the woods. And one of the guys who's out to relieve himself is snatched away. The guy in the, his tent is concerned. He gets pulled out of there. And then we soon see that the thing, whatever it is, is stalking the last guy in his tent as well. And he gets him. All right, we see that Sam is in Palo Alto, California. He's about to take some flowers to the grave of Jessica, his dead girlfriend, we saw in the first episode, died at the hands of the same thing that killed his mom that we definitely learn more about as the show goes forward. But we soon find out that Sam was sleeping, and he awakens to hear foreigners hot-blooded. Sam apparently has been having nightmares the past week or so as they were staying around trying to investigate before they headed out towards the coordinates that lay were given by their dad, 35 minus 111. They're looking for their dad, hoping he has answers what happened, because Sam basically wants revenge. Sam has already looked up and found out there's nothing but woods out in Blackwater Ridge. Sam and Dean start their investigation at the ranger station. They see that there's abandoned silver and gold mines everywhere, along with apparently some very large grizzly bears. Sam says that they're environmental studies majors at UC Boulder. The ranger thinks they're friends with Haleys. Dean goes along and says they are and he tells them that her supposedly missing brother filled out a permit and said he wouldn't return until the 24th, so he's not exactly missing. Dean wants to get a copy of that, and he actually does get one, so they go and visit good old Haley. And again, they're posing as park rangers this time. She likes Dean's car, which is a bonus. <laughs> um, she tells him how Tommy was checking in with his cell phone and emails and such, and he even had a satellite phone as a backup. So her and her younger brother worry because he hasn't he hadn't checked in. And so they've hired a guide, and they're going to go out tomorrow to try to find Tommy. And Sam gets her to forward the video over to him, because he kind of noticed something there. Sam and Dean go back to the local bar. We hear Leonard Skinner in the background. Sam has learned a lot about Blackwater Ridge. It doesn't get much traffic, mostly local campers, but this past April, two hikers have gone missing. Back in 1982, eight people disappeared in 1959, and in 1936, it's like every 23 years, Sam picks up something moving at a really fast rate outside Tommy's tent on that video. And they also learned that in 1959, one of the campers survived. So Dean and Sam go track him down. They're still posing as rangers. They talk to this fellow, Mr. Shaw, and they say that he won't believe them because no one else does. And basically he said that this thing got in their cabin by unlocking the door, and it moved so fast he couldn't see them, it just dragged his parents off into the woods, but it left a huge scar, like a claw mark on his shoulder. And he said there's something evil in the woods, some sort of demon. Dean knows all about demons. As they walk away, he says it's not a demon. Um, Sam says it's something corporeal. Dean suggests a skinwalker or a black dog that we talked about earlier. But it's a creature, and it's corporeal. That means they can kill it, which is kind of a predator reference. I didn't include it in my pop culture references because it's not exactly a predator reference. And just like later in the episode, we see the Wendingo kind of going through the woods, and it kind of looks like the... um, Camouflage, invisible predator from the original Predator movie. I don't know. It's kind of a reference, kind of a not a reference, but anyway. So they're planning to go out with Haley to track down Tommy, and they pack up lots of things in their green duffel bag. The guy Roy doesn't think the little brother Ben should come along. Sam and Dean do, but they don't dress like park rangers. Uh, we we cut over and we see that Tommy's hanging up in a cave along with his friends, and the creature makes its way towards him and starts sounds like eating Tommy's buddy. The rescue team is hiking through the woods. And that's when we had the conversation about Bambi and Yogi we talked about earlier. And also, the guide Roy saves Dean from a bear trap. Haley figures out they're not rangers. Dean tells her that they're brothers, and they're looking for their dad. And he figured they were in the same boat. And that's when we see that Dean packed his provisions, a bag of peanut M&Ms. The guide leads them to Brackwater Ridge, to the exact coordinates that their dad gave them, which is kind of funny. They don't hear anything in the forest, not even cricket. Sam and Dean encourage them to stay together. The guide calls out to them as they find this campsite, and it looks like a grizzly has attacked. Haley starts yelling for Tommy. Dean finds markings that show the bodies were dragged from the campsite, and then says it's no skinwalker or black dog. Haley finds Tommy's phone. Dean reassures her that he could be alive. They hear a scream for help in the forest. They rush out to see someone. There's nothing there. They go back to camp, and all their supplies are gone. This thing is smart and wants to cut them off so they can't get help. Sam wants to see their dad's journal. He thinks it's, they're dealing with a wendigo, even though Dean says they're not supposed to be out this far west. They're supposed to be up, like, in Minnesota. The claws and the way it can make a human voice makes Sam think that so they are dealing with a wendigo. and Dean says guns are useless. Sam tells the group that it's time to go, that if you shoot this thing, you'll just make it mad. Dean says it's a near-perfect hunter. It's going to hunt them down and eat them alive, unless they get out of there. They need to settle in and protect themselves. Dean starts making and anazazi symbols around the camp for protection so the because the winged dingo can't cross over them i don't know why but he can't sam's angry and he knows that their dad is not here and this is when we kind of get that dean quote of the week moment so we'll skip over that sam doesn't understand why he doesn't contact him dean intends to do the job he gave him sam just wants to find the, find his dad so he can find the thing that killed jessica that's all he can think about dean says killing as many evil things as possible helps him they hear another cry out in the darkness. Roy hears it and says it's not a grizzly. Roy shoots at it and leaves the circle. Sam and Dean chase after him, and soon we see Roy. is getting pulled up into a tree. The next morning, Haley says that these things aren't supposed to be real. Dean says that they are, and they learned about them from their family. Sam explains that when Dingo is a cree word, that means evil that devours. Dean says that they're hundreds of years old, used to be humans, and they turned into one by cannibalism. Cultures all over the world believe that eating human flesh gives a certain ability, speed, strength, immortality. But if you eat enough of it over a long time, you become less inhuman and you are always hungry. The Ningo keeps its victims alive so it can eat them. Guns and knives are useless. They've got to burn it. The rescue party goes in search of the creature and finds many trees with bloody claw prints on them. Just as Sam says the claw prints are too easy to follow, the creature roars and runs in self mode, looking kind of like the invisible predator from Predator. Blood drips on Haley just before Roy falls out of the tree. The group runs from the creature. When Ben falls down, Sam helps him up, but that causes him to get separated from Haley and Dean. Then when Ningo takes Haley and Dean back to his lair in an abandoned mine, Sam and Dean follow the trail. As they make their way inside, they see the creature walking down one of the dark mine shafts. Sam keeps Ben from drawing any attention by covering his mouth. They make their way down the passage, and Ben falls through some old floorboards into a chamber filled with human remains. Sam follows him down, they find Dean and Haley hanging by their wrists. They're able to get them down, and Haley sees that Tommy is still there. He looks dead, but awakens when she touches him. They cut him down and start to make their way out of the mine. Dean finds some flare guns, and as they make their way out, they hear the Wendigo growling, and Dean stays behind to distract the creature as Sam leads the others out of the mine. Dean yells at the Winding trying to get his attention. Sam hears growling and tells the siblings to go on without him. He prepares to, for a fight and realizes the Windingo is behind him. He rushes back to Haley and her brothers as the Windingo chases. The creature is closing in, then Dean shoots it in the stomach with a flare gun. The creature is soon consumed with its flames and destroyed. Back to the ranger station, we hear Ben telling the authorities about an eight or 900-pound bear. Haley thanks Dean for their help. Haley and Ben go with Tommy in the ambulance. Before she leaves, she gives him a kiss. Dean says he hates camping, and Sam agrees... Sam and Dean are back on their search for their dad but in the meantime Sam says he's driving Dean gives him the keys as the music starts playing it's Rush fly by night and that was the Supernatural recap for episode 2 Wendigo. and now we're going to jump into the Supernatural 5, the 5 most pivotal moments of the episode Supernatural 5 we'll count down the top 5 pivotal moments of this week's episode all right, number five on my list. Sam Samadine follow the coordinates for them dad and stumble into some mysterious missing persons. Uh, maybe we can assume, I don't know, we don't really know exactly why their dad sent them here. I'm assuming he caught wind of this thing and kind of saw the pattern. It's starting to repeat itself back from April. And I don't know how long this pattern lasts. They said it you know repeated every 23 years, but didn't say how long it lasted. Maybe just throughout the summer months that a few people would go missing here and there. And so, I'm assuming that to be the case. And so, that would be number five on my list. They follow their daddy's instructions. Number four on my list, Sam and Dean go with Haley, Ben, and Roy on the rescue mission, learning that they are dealing with a Um, Definitely one of those things where Sam and Dean are smart. They know a lot about what's out there. Dean throws out some possible suggestions pretty quick. And then Sam is able to figure out what it is when they hear the thing mimicking a human voice. And with the help of Dad's journal, they uh, have some nice little information they need to help battle this little evil creature. And uh, I do think it's interesting that those little symbols worked against it. I don't know (laughs) why they did or how that would work, but I thought that was kind of cool. All right, we're going to go number three. Sam and Ben have to go and save Dean, Haley, and Tommy from the Wendigo. Dean and Haley get taken away by the Wendigo. leaving Sam and Ben alone in the woods they were able to track him down following the blood which is better than bread comes like a Hansel and Gretel reference there and they're able to track him down into the mine cut him down save the day sort of <laughs> and that's when we're going to get to number 2 after Dean gets cut down Dean kills the Wendigo with a flare gun and that you know if they happen to find a weapon that would work they're in the supplies that are in the cave in the mine and Dean's able to kill this monster this thing that's been around for a couple hundred years at least, um, as far as we know. So that's kind of a cool thing. And that would be now my number two. But then number one, um, really, and I kind of deal with this more on the overall picture, at least for the most part. Um, and that is number one thing is Sam and Dean decide to carry on with the family business. We so we heard the audio clip earlier about that. But that definitely is a kind of the pivotal moment here. They've already kind of went on the search for their dad. But that's pretty much all it was at this point. They were looking for dad, and then Sam started looking for the thing that killed his girl. But now they've decided, while they're looking for their dad, in the meantime, they're going to be picking up the family business, or saving people, killing things, the family business. So the Winchester family business is up and running. (laughs) And uh, that's definitely really pivotal to the plot of this show. So that's my number one moment for the week. Supernatural Cast feedback. And right here, I'm jumping to just a little bit of some feedback from Twitter. But I definitely would like to hear from you. We'll get all the info for contact information here in just a few minutes. But definitely would like to hear your thoughts. Um, next week, at some point, we'll be talking about episode three. And so we'd like to hear your thoughts about that. Or these first couple episodes, that would be fine too. Well, all right. Since that last episode on the. I guess it was the 31st, I think, is when that got released. I've had a number of follow Fridays and things from different people. Blue Basia, Wind Tasty Chester. That's a good one. Um, Supernatural Underscore Fandom, which is SPN Underscore Fandom. Little Idiot Box. I've been mentioned from H darling 801 a couple, super, a couple follow Fridays from Jersey Girl and PR. And a couple people were talking about having a Supernatural Con in Denmark. Now, Annie S. Nielsen was one of those. And then also, D.O. for Life as well. And then also Follow Fridays from my SPN site DK and Jersey Girl PR once again. So, thanks everybody for the mentions and the follows and the Follow Fridays for over there on Twitter. Um, again, I have a few people over there who found us on Facebook. And uh, we're going to let you know how you can contact us. And... That would be. You can go to our website, supernaturalcast.com. Leave us comments or questions or whatever there. You can also find us on Facebook. And that, you just go to Facebook and search for Supernatural Cast, and it won't be too hard to find us. On Twitter, we're Supernatural Cast. It's Supernatural without the L. I know it's look kind of lame, but that's kind of what I had to settle for because of the way Twitter works. But Supernatural Cast um, on Twitter. You can email us at mailed at supernaturalcast.com. Love for you to do that. I would love to have more feedback and things to get into in the next episode. And I guess that's pretty much going to wrap up this episode of the Supernatural cast. Again, I'm open to suggestions if you have some ideas. If you think we should cover more than one episode at a time, uh, I don't know, maybe that's something because there is a lot of episodes and this will take a long time to go through, but we'll see how it works out. And uh, anyway, we hope to hear from you next time. Love to hear your thoughts about the show. Looking forward to Season 7 of Supernatural. All right, well, from the Supernatural cast, I'm Jimmy in Georgia. Peace. Days grow shorter and the nights are getting long. Feels like we're running out of time. Yeah, it seems much harder to tell it right from the road. you to re-